Oh, good golly, good golly. What a day. Whew. Anyone else feeling kind of tired? Ready to sit back, relax with your old buddy Chris on the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier, and the sound of my garbage bins being moved out. Because if you are, you are in the right spot, and you know that because you are about to listen to the Curry Brothers. Take it away, Rob Curry. Brothers playing Link Ray Gun, which I erroneously called the third track on their record. We are the Curry Brothers. It is indeed the second. I realized my the error of my ways after making that claim there last week. I got some other business I gotta settle too. It has to do with Amsterdam and when the Calm Before the Storm releases. If you thought you missed it, you have not yet. But we will get to that. But before we get to that, you know what we need to do? We need to drink some beers. Beer, singular, probably. I'm going to have another one after this, but your mileage may vary. But this is a mean, big, big beer, so we'll have to see how that goes. This. Well, so this, that's actually another thing I need to correct myself on. This is the final, the ultimate episode of... Beaumont's Belgian Beer Month, which I realized in the last podcast I frequently referred to as Belmont's Belgian Beer Month. Seems Beaumont, but the Belgian, I don't know. It's a shame his last name isn't Belmont. It would certainly make it easier. It would make it easier. But I digress. It is the last week of Beaumont's Belgian Beer Month, and we are still shining the light on Belgian and Belgian style beers. And of course, well, what have we done? We've done a triple. That was delightful. We did uh, not Alambique, but uh, like Alambique, a spontaneously fermented beer from our friends at Bell Woods. And then we did do the quad last week, the Rochefort 10. Where are we going to go this week? You might be asking a, a wit beer, perhaps a white. Oh, that's a nice style of beer. What about... Uh, well, as noted, uh, like a different sour fermented ale, like a Rodenbach. Oh, I wouldn't say no to that either. What about like what we would call a double in the, uh, Abbey styles, like the Shime Red or the Rochefort Six, for instance? Hey, those are nice beers. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But the thing is, as much as there are some beautiful historical styles of beer uh, produced in Belgium, often uh, with unchanging technique for centuries. There's a real uh, there's a real sense of tradition there, which we ought not uh, neglect. The other important thing to remember is that within Belgium, and even at some old dusty breweries, you have people who genuinely love to make beer and like to do new and interesting things. And so tonight, indeed, we have a beer I've never heard of, never heard of the brewery. Picked this up at 99 bottles uh, last weekend or so. Uh, and I've kept it for tonight because this 
if you're looking at the image, nice blue label on this. Uh, this is called Blidgarian Imperial Stout. It's from Brasserie de Blagy. Blagies? B-L-A-U-G-I-E-S. I would confess that my, I'm assuming French is not going to be up to snuff on that one. Interesting, though, an imperial stout. Historically, this is a style of beer produced in England, uh, not Belgium, which obviously doesn't mean Belgians can't make it. But this was a style of beer that, again, historically was created to be shipped to St. Petersburg uh, in Russia, which was uh, not the seat of power, but where the uh, royals would spend a significant uh, time of the year in, uh, oh, just the most, one of the most beautiful castles, palaces uh, you've ever laid eyes upon. And uh, they had a, a taste for a stout beer, a nice dark black Beer, which uh, was a, a style that was available in in London, in England, um, but as with a lot of uh, beers of that that era, we're talking 150 years ago, no refrigeration on the voyage, a standard dry stout would spoil by the time it made it to St. Petersburg, or at least it wouldn't necessarily spoil, but it would not be great, and maybe it spoiled. And uh, as with the uh, somewhat apocryphal story of India Pale Ale, uh, the way that we can take a beer and make it travel better is to both increase the hops and, more importantly, the alcohol percentage. So whereas a typical dry English stout would be somewhere around the 4% mark, kind of 4 to 4.5% alcohol, uh, imperial stouts were north of 7, often 8 or 9%, so double the alcohol content. And uh, they would add extra hops as well, partially to offset that immense sweet and alcoholic bite, and also to add preservative factor. Um, again, no idea what's going on with this beer. Picked it up at 99 bottles on a lark. Looked interesting. Thought Imperial Stout, Belgium. Why the heck not? It is, if you're looking at the video, caged and corked. So it will take me just a moment to undress this cork and loose it from the neck of this here bottle. And pardon me, I have, a, I have an itch on my kidney. I think I have fleas. Actually, I think what it is is just sometimes with tattoos healing, it's been a while and you just get these weird little ghost itches. I think it's scar tissue breaking down or something. Anyway, uh, the cage has been removed. The cork is not trying to remove itself, which is always nice. Little leery, no experience with this beer. Is it going to is it going to flow everywhere or is it going to go just in the glass? Well, there's really only one way to find out here. We oh, wow. There's OK. There's some pressure behind this. Not bad. No surge. Just some Belgian air. Hello, welcome to Canada. Uh, let's give this a... Oh, I'm not doing this on camera. Hang on. There we go. Now we're on camera. It's got a really fizzy carbonated sound to it. It sounds a little bit like pouring a Coke. Uh, and you can see on the video, not a bad little head. It's kind of loose though. That's going to drop. I can tell you that already. It's not a very dense head. It's actually a head sort of reminiscent of soda, like Coke. So carbonation, similar, sound to the pour, similar. And then as, as noted, you can see in the video, head dropping uh, remarkably. Yes, this is a Guinness glass. I hope that doesn't confuse you. It just happened to be the clean glass that landed in my hand. Um, no, 
there's there's no reason that I'm drinking out of a Guinness glass other than availability. Um, although I suppose maybe I should have put this in a tulip too. But you know, it's too late for that. We're just gonna forge ahead. So uh, Belgian style imperial stout. Totally blank uh, blank canvas here. Let's see what we see. Hmm. Okay. So on the nose right away smells like an imperial stout. Nice. Sorry, this itch is just driving me crazy. It is healing tattoo itch. This is not appealing. It's not good podcast. Anyway, sorry, I'm going to I'm going to try and either ignore that or just discreetly keep itching that. Yeah, so uh, very rich, dark roasted malts touching on sort of coffee. It's actually very coffee, if I'm honest with you. Uh, Sort of like freshly roasted beans kind of coffee, in fact. This is making me think there might actually be coffee in in this in this beer, but might just be the malts. Malts can have a really coffee like aroma to them. So. There's a bit of a sugary note that oddly isn't quite burnt sugar. Often in a stout like this, you expect a bit of a smoky burnt sugar thing. This is more like cane sugar on the aroma. Interesting. That's what I got. It's still, it's not even caramelly necessarily. It's, it smells like cane sugar. Uh, there is also, I, I'm smelling the hop. I, I'm, I'm having trouble dialing in what it is, not specifically what it is, but even what I'm getting off of it. It's, it's le leafy is about all I can say about it. Um, like herbal kind of. Now it's interesting there. I'm having trouble getting away from that initial. This sounds and looks like I'm pouring a glass of Coke. Because there is a sort of medicinally cola like um, aroma here, which I'm going to assume is yeast. I don't know, but I'm guessing that they've used a, a Belgian yeast to ferment this. And as we've discussed, a lot of Belgian yeasts can kick off a lot of interesting um, uh, off flavor. I say off flavors, they're not off flavors. They're, they're bang on flavors, actually. But uh, whereas like a Cali Ale yeast uh, ferments very clean, doesn't produce a lot of particular flavors that are distinct to the yeast, Belgian yeast, on the other hand, that's like all it does makes alcohol and tastes like Belgian yeast. So yeah, with that cane sugary note and that spiciness that I'm assuming is the yeast, it has a real cola like kind of quality to the aroma, but with coffee, my son mentioned the other day he heard or saw somebody on Instagram or YouTube or something, um, mixing coffee and coke and he was like who would do that it's like well son there was a period in my life when i used to get a shot of espresso and a glass of coke so your dear old dad <laughs> um, that's a bit of a different approach but uh, there's some synergy here between cola like aromas and coffee like aromas to be fair, this is leaning a little heavier on the cola side, a little less on the coffee side. If you put a shot of espresso in a glass of Coke, you can still taste the Coke, but mostly what you taste is cold espresso. Just putting that out there. 
Mm. So I've taken a sip. I forgot to mention I was going to stick it in my drink hole. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. So the malts do have a little bit of char to them on the palate. But it it's not like burnt sugar. It's more like darkly roasted malts. There's a bit of cocoa to it. But a not insignificant cola-like spicy quality. Um, and again, spicy, not picante, but um, spice cupboard spices. Couldn't say exactly what other than like cola nut, which sm smells like what you think cola smells like, just by the by. Uh, there's a maybe a hint of like maybe cherry to that cocoa-y taste. And then very clearly, but do we say like clearly, but subtly, it's very clear that there's a coffee aroma and taste to this. And I, it feels so much like coffee that I don't think it's the malt. I think there's coffee in this, but I could be wrong. But it's, um, it's not a dominant taste. The cola is far and away the most dominant taste, which again, I think is the yeast. But there's this cocoa-y and then also like freshly roasted coffee bean um, kind of taste to it. The carbonation is bonkers. It's very carbonated. Again, kind of like a glass of soda. And if I'm honest with you, the mouth feels honestly a bit thin. Um, but when you say the mouth feels thin, that sounds like a, a negative thing. It's not negative. In the context of an imperial stout, it's a little unexpected because imperial stouts tend to have a sort of syrupy almost quality to them, at least a medium, if not heavy, uh, mouthfeel. That said, Belgian yeasts are notorious for being able to just chew through any sugar you throw at them. So it's entirely possible that the yeast that was used in this just completely cleared out all of the residual sugars, um, which is not entirely but mostly what gives you weight in the beer. Let me have another sip. It's interesting because there's a softness to the beer, but there's so much carbonation. It's, it's very fizzy carbonated. And there isn't a lot of sugary weight to it. So I'm not sure if I'm tricking myself here. You know, I always say, you know, you drink with your eyes, but you also kind of drink with your brain. It's really hard to approach something unless it's a completely new thing to you. Um, it's really hard to approach it and not sort of prejudge it. So to me, an imperial stout, there's just like my sensors are probably a little overtuned for for mouthfeel. So I I might just be making something out of nothing here but there is an almost creaminess it's just there's not a lot of weight to it it's got a really interesting nice mouthfeel oddly light for an imperial stout and I know I, I, I haven't read the label too much but I know it's 9% it does not drink like a 9% beer um, 
it's a little scary, if I'm honest with you. Um, yeah, and then the, the finish, a bit of bitter cocoa, a bit of roasty coffee, and a bit of an herbal tannic kind of uh, hop finish. It's not a lingeringly sweet beer. Again, there, there's not a lot of residual sugar in here. Oh, uh, and a bit of toast. Very dark brown toast. Which is almost certainly from the, the malts. Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting, tasty beer. A little surprising. Um, not surprising that the yeast is... is putting on such a show again i'm assuming i'm gonna read the label in a minute and see if it gives me any insights no idea um but a real cola like um medicinally yeasty note uh not so much chocolate on the nose but there's definitely a bit of like cocoa powder on the palate again fresh roasted coffee beans uh, the more time i spend with this i think i'm gonna see that there's probably coffee in this beer and then uh, yeah yeah, like a lighter mouthfeel, but with a creaminess to it, a ton of carbonation, um, and then just a lingeringly cocoa bitter with a bit of a leafy, tannic, hoppy bitterness, and just some of that nice roasted coffee note lingering on your palate. It is an interesting, tasty beer. Let's go to the bottle. Blidgarian Imperial Stout, by the way, if you're just joining us. Doesn't look like anybody has, but that's all right. Uh, got this in 99 bottles on Kingston Road, the bottle shop of, uh, of Radical Road. Uh, this is a strong beer. Oh, they do list ingredients in a few locations. Well, uh, okay, well, I have them here in um, French and... German, and I can already tell you, I'm pretty smart. <laughs> In German, uh, we have uh, we have water, which is spelled exactly the same. Then Gerstemult, which I believe is malted barley. Hevermult, which I think is oats. Coffee, which is coffee. Stukar, which is sugar. Hop, and gist. Hop is hops, and gist is uh, yeast. Gist. Uh, in uh, if you sprechen the Deutsch, which I don't, but I can. I'm pretty good with ingredients in other languages. The ingredients in English, out of curiosity. Water, barley, malt, oat, malt. Oh, interesting. So it is oats, but it's malted oats, which is not what you generally find in beer. More often than not, what you find is rolled oats or steel cup, but like raw oats, not malted oats. That's interesting. Coffee, sugar, hops, yeast, as I pre not predicted, translated. Mm. If I'd read the back label, I would have read that it says extra strong beer with coffee, 9% alcohol by volume, 375 milliliters product of Belgium. And the best before date on this, just in case you were curious, is the 31st of December 2025. They are well aware that this bad boy would keep and would it ever 
at 9% and in a caged and corked bottle. That would not be a bad bottle to buy and lie down and see what happens. The yeast characteristics would possibly change. The Any hop will drop out of it eventually, but that coffee is going to stick around. Oh, and you know, I mentioned it says sugar. I'm going to assume that's what I'm tasting is a bit of like candy sugar or like cane sugar. Um, and the, yeah, there are oats, but again, malted oats. And I don't know if that would factor into, like, I wonder, do, do malted oats have a, a less protein in them? Because when you add oats to beer and they add density and mouthfeel, it's it's predominantly from the proteins that the yeast, or the yeast, the, pardon me, the oats uh, kick out. And so do malted oats have the same protein impact? I don't know. I do not know, but I do know that this is a tasty, interesting beer. It's not like your average Imperial Stout from uh, either England or the New World. We do a lot of New World-style Imperial Stouts now here. Um, again, Tempest being an example that you might come across. Um, what's the name of the, the one from, uh, from Nickelbrook? Uh, uh, Bolshevik. Bolshevik Bastard, that's another one. Uh, you'll see that. There, there are others around. Um, they tend to be much more malt-driven, uh, often with a significant, like, a pronounced hoppy kind of bite, but the malts are really the show. And and the yeast, a lot of the time, actually, what they're using is, is an English ale yeast, because, again, it's an English style of beer. So you just need an English ale yeast that has a higher uh, alcohol tolerance than maybe some of the more typical ale styles of yeast. Um, but this one with that Belgian yeast characteristic, which I'm assuming is where that Coca-Cola-like uh, um, flavor profile is coming from. Um, yeah, with this kind of cocoa-y bitter, coffee-like, um, with, again, some kind of brown bread, bit of, like, yeah, candy or maybe cane sugar. It's an interesting, tasty, tasty beer. I would caution you, it, like it doesn't quite drink like a soda it's not that sweet but it dr drinks surprisingly easily for a nine percent beer like surprisingly now what are you going to eat with blidgarian imperial stout from brasserie de blages um it's actually a really interesting question It's not super smoky, uh, which is saying something for a beer this dark. Uh, so we're not necessarily going to go in the direction of like barbecue. It would work, especially in some of the more kind of modern takes where they're doing things like a like a Dr. Pepper uh, marinade, something like that, that. That could be interesting. You could play some different medicinally soda-like uh, flavors against each other. That could work. Um, this would be really good if you were making s'mores around the campfire. It'd be delicious with s'mores. Um, for a 9% beer, not particularly warming, so maybe summertime s'mores. Um, but, uh, but tasty there. You know, it's interesting with cheeses, especially with Imperial Stouts, I often recommend to go with a really aggressive uh, blue, salty and funky. Um, 
I don't know if that's actually going to do any favors here or if either of these are going to do favors to each other. Sounds kind of dirty when you put it that way, but not my intention. You know, sometimes you get cheeses that are like medium to old, hard, like, well, you get it with Beamsters and you get it with Cheddars sometimes, and you get an almost caramelly like sweetness that I think comes from uh, moisture extraction in the cheese. Uh, anyway, that probably would actually be an interesting taste uh, if you can find some of that. Montfort Dairy, uh, if they're still around and kicking, and gosh, I hope they are. They have had a couple of cheeses in the past that have that almost caramelly like sweetness. I mean, they still taste like dairy. They still taste funky like cheese, but there's this caramelly sweet quality to them that I think if you could get a cheese that did a bit of that with with this beer, that could be very very cool um otherwise you know like not just like the store-bought pumpernickel bread that you're gonna make a spinach dip and scoop it at the middle and turn it into a bowl super awesome by the way do that more often but a nice like artisanally pumpernickel or like black bread which is like a german thing um Maybe just lightly toasted, grilled um, with a bit of you know butter on it. Um, that would be really tasty with this. Uh, this beer could actually kind of could be interesting with something with a bit of Marmite on it, if you like that. Uh, Marmite's pretty yeasty, um, but this beer could probably keep up with that, especially with the effervescence. It could help kind of cut down some of the more heavy flavor qualities to that uh that delicious delicious food product so yeah that's what we're doing blidgarian imperial stout probably mispronouncing that i'm sorry brasserie de blages uh an unusual but very uh delicious take on the English style of beer of, of imperial stout made with a real belgian twist and uh well, I like it. I like it a lot. It was, I, I believe it was a bit of a spendy bottle. I think it was like 11 or 12 bucks. So you probably wouldn't want to have a bunch of them in one sitting, but certainly enjoy one or two. It's really tasty. Mm. Yep. I like that beer. Now, as noted, at the date wrong for the uh, Amsterdam stuff for calm before the storm and uh and for uh, tempest that's this weekend uh i had initially said to Ian when he mentioned that I said, ah, that's probably actually easier for me anyway uh, i'm gonna have to see if i'm actually gonna get down for that i would love to but uh saturday evening uh, we're well afternoon, late afternoon. We're hosting uh, the silent auction fundraiser for the rugby club down at uh, down at, at the Bombay Beach Club, uh, where we are auctioning off a whole whack of really great uh, things just to support our, our section. You know, we have to buy kit and we have to buy new balls and um, a surprising amount of tape. <laughs> Actually, it's not that surprising if you watch rugby, but uh, that tape has to come from somewhere and that tape ain't free. Uh, so uh, we spend a not insignificant amount on tape. Uh, but anyway, uh, to to 
support the program and actually the the silent auction uh supports all levels of of the rugby so from right down my littlest uh u6s right up to the senior men's and women's and everyone in between uh, gets supported by that so uh, i'm going to be heading down to that um spending some time checking out the auctions having some beers uh yeah being part of the club and then speaking of being part of the club our beloved uh i don't even know how many adjectives to attach but our wonderful funny highly talented and incredibly irish Number 10, uh, Stephen Dudu Dwyer is unfortunately, but good for him, heading back to the uh, Emerald Isle, as they call it, uh, with his fiance uh, to be wed and to start their lives there together as a married couple. And uh, we wish him very well. And they depart from Toronto after living here for like five years or something uh, next week. So, uh, we're sending him off Saturday night, and uh, if if you can picture it, it's probably not out of the question. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be loose that night, so I'll be doing that as well. Uh, so my weekend might be a little tied up, but uh, if you can get yourself down to Amsterdam, I would highly recommend it. I'm going to endeavor to get myself some of that delicious, delightful beer. Uh, through another channel, perhaps, or maybe just nip down there first. So it's a nice bike ride, depending on the weather on Saturday. I'm not sure what the weather's meant to be this weekend. Hmm. We'll have to see. But uh, that that is what's happening there. And and actually, I think the auction's open. I don't think it's a club-only event. So if you're in the East End and you want to come down and support our rugby club and bid on stuff, we've got like... I don't know, all sorts, uh, uh, Yeti coolers and tumblers and a uh, haircut from a really hipster kick-ass barber shop. And uh, I don't know, it's just scrolling through not that long ago, seeing all sorts of stuff. A bunch of things from the community, a bunch of businesses um, have donated, you know, products or services. And anyway, it's going to be a ton of fun and it's going to be beer to drink and items to bid on. So I think it's a open event so come on down 360 lakefront bombay beach club i don't know the timing it's like in the afternoon three or something like that around there come on down i'll probably be there if i figure out what the timing is also uh speaking of rugby the autumn internationals just finally finished with the last weekend of uh out of window uh matches one which ended very much how i would like to see it end and the other ending very much how I would not like to see a match and uh, Wales squandered a ridiculous lead uh, to uh, successfully lose to Australia shockingly um, in Cardiff uh, hard to see how the WRU can move forward unfortunately with the head coach who in his defense is working with a pretty short stack deck but uh when you lose the change room, you lose the change room. And it looked like their performance uh, when they were firing on all cylinders was very much to do with the presence of Alan Wynne-Jones and less to do with uh, Wayne Pivak. Uh, so I'm not a person to jump down the throat of the coach the instant something goes wrong, but uh, I think they're three for 11 this year, including losses to Italy and Georgia. 
so that's not a good look. And uh, that's there's going to be some soul searching and I think some phone calls to a Kiwi by the name of Warren Gatland uh, to see what his next 12 months or so is looking like. Uh, yeah, he's not taking the New Zealand job that that looks stitched up, so he might be available. Who knows? We named a gate after him in Wales, so it's not like he's you know not welcome back. The other match, which was delightful, was England just getting systematically destroyed by a vastly superior South African team who admittedly were missing some important players and uh, went down to 14 men with 15 minutes left to go or something and uh, still just smashed them, came off the line with hunger, pushed them back on defense. It was amazing. Um I know a lot of people like to hate on South Africa. I think the behavior of their, I don't even know what his title is anymore, Rassi Erasmus, their former coach, manager, DOR, I don't know what he is now. Uh, anyway, he's a giant jackass and he needs to sort himself out and maybe not post things to social media when he's been drinking. Um, but outside of that, man, what a fantastic game. They just... It, it was next level. It was like watching a tier one nation against a tier two nation. And uh, and to be fair, I, I heard a statistic today. England's number five in the world right now behind Ireland, France, New Zealand, South Africa, I think, in that order. And in their last games, they lost to Ireland, lost to France, drew against New Zealand and lost to South Africa. Uh, so hard to see how they could picture themselves anywhere near a top three position right now. And uh, gosh, it couldn't happen to a nicer country than England. So uh, enjoy that, England. Um, while this Welsh fan is, you know, sadly gazing from, you know, three blocks behind you. Uh, anyway. That's what's happening in rugby. Hey, are you, did any of that interest you? Do you want to know more about that? Uh, our kids' winter programming kicks off the first week of January. Look up Bombing Beach Rugby, Junior Rugby, uh, on the socials. You can get all the information. We're going to be running a training skills academy on Saturdays and a bit of fun pickup and some skills for the younger guys on, on Sundays. So uh, check it out if you are interested or, or message me. I'm easy to find. I can... Connected to all the right people. Top secret. I'm the person for a lot of that, so you'll already be connected. It's like we'll have cut out the middleman. But I digress. A lot of rugby going down. Tis the season, as they say. Uh, <laughs> speaking of tis the season, as they say, next week is, of course, the first Monday in December. Advent did start this past Sunday, if you adhere to what we call the Christian calendar. Advent, of course, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, a little bit like Lent, which people are familiar with from the whole giving something up for Lent. I had a girl at the church ask me, a little young child, you know, the age of my daughter, sort of 10, 11 ish. She said, oh, have you decided what you're giving up for Advent? And I said, I'm not giving up anything for Advent. And she went, what? And I said, I think you're thinking of Lent. It's a different season. Uh, but if you want to give up something for Advent, hey, go for it. It's a time of spiritual preparation and fasting, even if it isn't necessarily from food, can be a useful tool in the toolbox of the, you know, potential worshiper. So if you want to give up something for Advent, go for it. Whatever it takes to get yourself into that uh, headspace to be ready uh, to celebrate a major holiday. 
And if you are agnostic, atheist, or not Christian, uh, which, you know, is like uh, eight-ninths of the world or so, um, hey, cool. It's still, if you want to enjoy some Christmas time, I would say if you haven't already, now is the time to start getting into that. So with that in mind, the Toronto Beer Podcast will be shifting into a more Christmassy outlook for the month of December. Advent, the time of preparation for Christmas, well, perhaps we'll treat the podcast as a time of preparation to uh, maybe suggesting some things that you might like to have in the icebox for festive parties. Maybe things you might like to have in the icebox for the big day, whatever the big day is for you in the holiday season. And maybe just some things that just seem really obvious, like there are some very obviously uh, advertised uh, Christmas-type beers. So we'll see. we got a couple of weeks before the big day, and I would be happy to drink some festive uh, libations with uh, you, my friends, here on the Toronto Beer Podcast. Until next Monday, remember, this weekend coming up, Calm Before the Storm and Tempest. Get down to Amsterdam. Check that out. If you're in the East End and you want to come put some bids on a silent auction, 360 Lakefront, that is the Bombay Beach Club's address. It's at the bottom of Beach Avenue, but it has a Lakefront address because it isn't actually attached to any street. So uh, come on down there, bid on some stuff, have a few beers. If you want to meet some rugby people, there will be a bunch of us there. And then you're not invited to Doo going away party, but it is at the hideout. And uh, I'm sure if you showed up and just wanted to get, you know, messy drunk, depending on what time you show up, I mean, most of us will be there anyway. So get it in you. Uh, not that I condone that sort of behavior. Do as I say, not as I do. If you want to pick up this beer we've been drinking tonight, it is once again Bulgarian Imperial Stout, Belgian Imperial Stout. Really nice stuff. Got that at 99 bottles. Even if you don't want that, you should go buy 99 bottles. Super, super cool shop. Fantastic wine and spirit selection. Sell a bunch of the Radical Road beers and a couple of imported other things, uh, as well as some cool, tasty munchies and pantry items. So, uh, And just a super friendly, cool spot. You can go in and get a glass of wine and or beer and sit and just drink it. It's not a bar. It's like a tasting room. I don't know what the legality is, but it's nice. So you might want to check them out. 99 bottles Kingston Road and uh, I think Willow technically so you can look them up I sure would anyway that's it for the tonight uh, I hope uh, you're well I hope your preparations for the festive season are kicking off as I suggest and I will be back here in seven days to talk at you more about beer and if we're honest probably rugby rob curry why don't you play us out and remember guys check out that rob curry album it is in the description it is it would make a great holiday present to somebody you love especially if they like awesome sounding music so check it out we'll talk to you soon bye